Hi folks, good to be with you. Really missed seeing you guys, I've been away a few weeks. Um, it's been a really significant couple of weeks. Wow, I saw Batman. Yeah, that's, that's pretty significant, eh? You've you seen the new Batman movie? That's pretty epic, isn't it? I love that movie. Anyway, but it was significant for other reasons too. I was speaking at Clan Gathering a couple of weeks ago, and that was exciting to be part of something that's much broader than, than Destiny, and it's, it's really representative of many churches across the nation coming together. Drew and the guys did a great job with the kids. Uh, my kids loved that, and quite a few of you were there. It was great. But what was really exciting is Alan McWilliam was talking about, he's, he's the guy who, who has really taken on the leadership role in Clan, and he was speaking about their desire to be a catalyst for seeing 500 churches planted across Scotland. And I just thought, isn't that great? Alan had gathered a whole network, a whole grouping of people who are doing church planting in Scotland, including Destiny, and he gathered them for a, a kind of get-together before clan gathering, just to basically say, listen, can we do this? Can we see 500 churches started? And the, the unison was, absolutely, we can. So I know that's very much a part of our heart, and we're, we're playing our part in that. And we're going to be working closely with other networks, seeing this happen. But the vision is to see Scotland impacted with the gospel, with the truth about Jesus Christ, seeing as many people coming to faith as possible. That's, what, that's the kind of day we're alive in, so pinch yourself, be aware of what God is doing, and uh, let's be in this together. A few things Graham mentioned are really important. The, the United Prayer Gathering and the healing services are all kind of over one weekend. It's Friday night, it's the United Prayer Gathering. We're going to be doing this every quarter. We're all going to get together from both campuses as many as can be there, just have an evening of praise and worship as a church, and it's going to be great. But it's going to have the healing services on the, on the Sunday, but the week leading up to that will be a week of prayer and fasting. And we're taking that week of prayer and fasting to prepare ourselves as God's people for all that God wants to do in the season ahead. So what is the season ahead? Well, it's big, it's exciting. We've been on a journey as a church talking about the importance of discipleship, that we're not just a crowd gathering thing that does events. We are a thing called the church, which believes in empowering God's people to do works of service. That's what we're about. It's not about us doing it for you. It's about us helping you do the work of ministry. How many people know we need God's help with that? So prayer and fasting is about us getting on our knees and saying, God, we can't do this by ourselves. So it's a moment for all of us in whatever way we can through that week. If you have eating disorders, do not do this. Take a different way of praying, okay? But if you are okay with prayer and fasting, take as much time as you can in the week to set aside time to call on God and fast in whatever way you want. Some people will be doing a, doing a total fast for a few days or even for the week. I would encourage you to drink fluids though. Others of you will just, you know, doing a lunch times or mornings or however you want to package the prayer and fasting for you, take time as a church. Let's, let's pray together and call on God for what God wants to do. The relaunch of Leith is happening in September, which is great. So we're adding an extra service in the evening. We'll be starting a preaching team. So I will be spreading my time 50-50 between Gorg and Leith. So you'll see me every second week in, in each of the services. I'll be here every second week and there'll be Graham, Sammy and many others preaching and teaching as well, which is going to be a rich experience. We've got George Verwer coming at the beginning of September. He's, he birthed Operation Mobilization. So he's going to be at the 10 o'clock service, which is going to be cool. Uh, and there's lots of other really cool speakers coming up that I know are going to be a blessing for you folks to equip you in all that God wants you to do. Yeah? Let's pray. We're going to turn to the Bible. Father, as we take time just now to continue on this theme looking at the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray we'd gain insight, God. I pray we'd understand things we hadn't understood before. God, come by your Holy Spirit. Touch people's lives today, I pray. Change people in the way that only you can. You know everyone here, there might be some people who don't yet know you, God. Please, in this moment together, Draw them to you. Save them. God, I pray that we wouldn't just be theorists, people who know stuff about God. I pray we would be people who are impacted by God. I pray you'd actually work in us and you'd actually work through us. That's our deep desire, God. Would you do something through us as a people in this generation, in this city? In Jesus' name, amen.
I don't know about you guys, but certainly for me and as a husband, I've found that women are a mystery. Uh, let me just help you guys with some translations. When a wife says, we want, what she, sorry, we need, what she means is I want. When your wife says, it's your decision, she actually means the correct decision should be obvious. When the wife says, do what you want, she actually means you'll pay for it later. When the wife says, we need to talk, she means I need to complain. When the wife says, sure, go ahead, she actually means I don't want you to. When she says, I'm not upset, she means, of course I'm upset, you moron. When she says, you're so manly, what she means is you need to shave and you sweat a lot. When she says, this kitchen is inconvenient, what she means is you need a new house. When the wife says in the middle of the night, I heard a noise, what she meant is, I noticed you were almost asleep. When she says, do you love me? You know that she's going to ask you for something expensive. When she says, how much do you love me? You know that she's done something wrong that day. When she says, you need to learn how to communicate, she means, just agree with me. When your wife says yes, she means no. When she, means, when she says no, she means no. And when she says maybe, she means no. <laughs> so yeah, I'll explain to you. Now, thankfully, God's not so hard to, Angie didn't agree or laugh at any of those. <laughs> thankfully, God's not so difficult to get. God is a communicating God. Communications revolution that we're living in, texts, mobile phones, Twitter, Facebook, social networking, emails. This is the world we're living in. So much communication is going on. And uh, communication is a God-given ability given to human beings. God himself is a communicator. Right back in Genesis chapter 1, in the first chapter, we find 10 times it says, and God says. Right back at the beginning, one of the first actions recorded by God is that God is a speaking God. God is Trinity. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So therefore, in the, in the heart and the very nature of God, there is communication and relationship. And we have been created in the image of this God, and therefore we communicate at a deeper level and more profound level than animals do who haven't been created in His image but have been created by Him. We've been created in His image, therefore communication is part of what we do. God is a speaking God. We are a speaking people. And right through the Bible, we see that God desires to speak. And we see this is the journey of the Bible. In the Old Testament, 200 times in the Old Testament, that direct statement from prophets saying, thus says the Lord. Other statements throughout the Old Testament, things like, the word of the Lord came to me, or God spoke to me, or God said to me, appear 3,800 times in the Old Testament. God is a speaking God. We believe that God is a God who reveals himself. He has self-disclosed himself to the world. If he hadn't, the best we would have to go on is speculation. And people speculate about what God's like. And that's what that's philosophies and religion and, and various theories people have come up with about God. But we are not left at the mercy of speculation because God has self-disclosed himself to the world. How has God done this? Well, I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey just to lay a bit of an understanding, and then we're going to look specifically at the gifts of prophecy and tongues and interpretation. So first, the big picture is this. God has self-disclosed himself. He has communicated himself to the world. He's done it in two ways, through general revelation and through special revelation. What's general revelation? Well, it's God speaking through creation, through the world he has created. A couple of verses for you, Romans 1.19. It says that what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what is made so that people are without excuse. The Bible's clear that the world knows there's a God. I mean, that God is just through what he has made, is communicating to the world, it's shouting nice and loud, there is a God and not only there is a God, that, that, that's plain through creation. You know, anyone looks at something and say, well, someone designed that. Now, I don't walk around the new town in Edinburgh and think, wow, that's a fluke. 
I don't think that. I see, wow, Robert Adam or whoever was, has been at work here. Some architect has designed this stuff. It didn't, and yet, that's, that's just the new town. I mean, new town's pretty special. But compared to a flower, the new town's nothing. Compared to a blade of grass, compared to your finger, the new town is nothing. And yet, we, we look at the most marvelous things ever designed and created. And, we, and well, we don't, but many assume. Or actually, I don't think they believe it even. I don't think they've even thought about it. But I think it's very easy. It gets them off the hook to say, well, it was an accident and here's a theory that proves it. But it doesn't prove it. I believe there's a designer. I believe there's a creator. And we can discuss the process of how he did that, but that's not the point. There's a creator. There is a designer. And God has self-disclosed himself to the world deliberately that the creation is speaking and speaking and speaking that there's a great God. And it says in Romans that there's not just a God, but you can let, get to know what kind of God this God is. It says you can understand his nature and his characteristics and attributes through creation. And that means a lot of things, right? But, I mean, it certainly means he's a good God. You look at the world, you think this is beautiful. We appreciate beauty because God's a beautiful God. We, he's an abundant God. I mean, look at it. It's abundant. It's joyful. It's, it fills you with experiences and joy. He's a God like that. God has created so many great things, and it's, and it's a revelation of who he is. I honestly don't believe that people don't believe in God. <laughs> I don't believe in atheists. I, and I, I do believe they're sincere. I believe that they sincerely have convinced themselves in their minds and through their philosophy that there is no God. But I believe deep down in their knower, and everyone's got a knower, there is a knowing that there is a God. I believe that with all my heart. Every human being knows they are created by God. And then there's the, the general revelation of God is revealed in conscience. Every human being has a conscience. And whether people listen to the conscience or not, it's there. How is it that even the most unreligious of people will say, no, you, can't, you just can't do that, that's not fair. Or that's unjust to treat someone that way. How is it that we know these things? If we were just animals on this world to survive... It would make us the priority and who cares how many people we tread on. But we know that's not how it goes because we understand there is value in a human being and we understand that respecting other people is absolutely essential to humanity. We understand certain moral things. We understand sense of justice and injustice. That doesn't just come from nothing. That comes from a God who is ultimately just and good. We have a conscience and that itself witnesses to the fact that we will be held accountable and there is an ultimate God a creator, a judge. But then there's special revelation. You see, general revelation will give you the broad themes. There is a God. He is the creator. He's an awesome God. Special revelations will give you more detail about who this God is, what is his name, and how can you get to know him. Special revelation, uh, the Bible would show us special revelation in different ways. First of all, Jesus is God's special revelation. It says in John chapter 1, he's referred to as the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God. In other words, God speaking into the world, God encountering the world, Jesus Christ. He is God's special revelation of himself to the world that he so loved. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom, through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. Jesus said it the same way in John 14, 9, when he says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. He is God in the flesh. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He is perfect theology. You want to know what God thinks about suffering? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God thinks about sickness? How did Jesus deal with the sick? You want to know what God thinks about injustice? How did Jesus tackle and speak about injustice? So I understand you may come up with all sorts of ideas what God is like based on your experience. Well, God, how can God be good because I went through this? Or how can God be good because look what's happening in the news? I understand experience will be saying lots of things, but let your framework be based on Jesus Christ. Experience around us tells us we're in a fallen world. 
But Jesus tells us that there's a great God who loves us despite the fallenness of our world. That if you look at Jesus Christ, you see God. He is a special revelation of God to this world. Also, it's a special revelation of how you get saved. Jesus, the purpose of his coming was ultimately, even though he taught great things, that wasn't the big purpose. The big purpose was the death and the cross. It's incredible. God, since the beginning of time, planned a rescue plan for fallen creation. That your sin and my sin was placed on one man, Jesus Christ, right in the center of time. The sin of the world placed on him. He experienced the full wrath and fury of God against that sin. He died in our place. He took the punishment we deserve. And if you're here today and you don't know him, put your faith in Jesus. I say this every week. I never cease to say this because, to be honest, I don't ever get bored talking about it because it's my lifeline. It's one of the first things I thank God for in the morning about Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a total lifeline to me. So if you're here today and you've never experienced the total forgiveness of God and that relationship you can have with God, you can get it today through Jesus because he's not dead. He's alive. He rose from the dead. He died in your place so you can have eternal life. He's alive right now and put your faith in him. I urge you, put your faith in him. At the end of the service, I'll give you an opportunity to do that if you haven't already. So Jesus is God's special revelation. Secondly, the Bible is God's special revelation. Famously, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. I believe that the Bible is God's special revelation. You see, some, some, we, we, sometimes we get this wrong or sometimes we get it right. Some Christians say, oh, the Bible is the word of God. But they say it arrogantly. They say, no, no other book's right, only the Bible. And they say it arrogantly. They say it blindly. Other Christians say it, the Bible's the word of God. But they're actually saying it humbly. And the difference is this. Some people say it, the Bible's the word of God. But they're just saying because they've heard that. They're just saying because that's what they've been told. They haven't got any foundation for their understanding of why it's the word of God. They're just saying, my argument wins, your argument loses. Other people, however, have come to realize that actually indeed is the word of God. And boy, we've got to come under this. This is the word of God and they're humble to it. And it's not an arrogant statement as if everyone else is wrong, I'm right. It's not like that. I'm not saying because I'm saying it because it is the word of God. I'm saying it because I believe it to be the case. It has actually impacted me. I believe it's true. And you're appealing to people to come to it as the truth. So I believe the Bible is God-breathed. It's God-inspired. It was written over a period of 1,500 years by 44 authors. It was written in all different sorts of environments. It was written by peasants, kings, philosophers, fishermen and poets and statesmen. It was written in different places, wildernesses, dungeons, palaces, It was written in different times, war, peace. It was written in different genres of literature. We can see poetry, history, statistics. It was written in three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Uh, We we see right through the whole spectrum of human emotion in, in one book, in it we find, and this is why, this is why we don't just say it's, it's the Word of God just because it is the Word of God. It is credible because in it we find things like there are 3, 000, over 3,200 verses of fulfilled, already fulfilled prophecy. That's, that's the kind of stuff that makes us say it is the Word of God. Uh, we see it, it is the world's all-time bestseller. And today it is available in 3,000 different languages around the world. I believe it's the word of God. It's God's self-disclosure of himself. It means that speculation can go and we can trust his word to us. And thirdly, the way God reveals himself is through supernatural occurrences. So we see it with Mary and Joseph when Mary was told by the angel that she's to have a child and he will be the savior. That was a supernatural occurrence. That was God giving a special revelation to a girl. We see it with the husband Joseph who had a hard time believing uh, that his virgin wife was having a kid and she was still a virgin. You know, he, he was having a hard time with this one. And yet, in a, sorry, a dream, in a dream, he experienced God and God told him, this is of me. 
So we see God appears through angelic appearances or through dreams, or indeed people come and bring prophetic word, God's special disclosure of himself to the world. So we're going to be looking today at prophecy and spoken, spoken gifts as recorded in the Bible. Last time I was with you guys, we looked at um, what we called God's thoughts. In, in the Bible, we have a list of the gifts of the Spirit, and we looked at the first, in the first instance at the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the gift of discernment. This week, we're going to be looking at prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. All right, so let's go into the verse. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 11. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And we said last time, you need to know this. To each one, every single one of you. This isn't for the elite. This is for us, God's people. Every single one of you in the Holy Spirit have access to these gifts. Personally, I believe you have access to all the gifts. I really do. He, the Holy Spirit, is the ultimate gift. He has come and taken up residence in your life. The gifts are like tools in a toolbox. When you're faced with a challenge, he'll give you the right tool for the issue. So like, say you're faced with a nail. You don't pull a saw out. I'm going to take the nail on. No, you get a hammer out to take on the nail. It'd be crazy. No, well, I can't take on the nail because my gift's a saw. That's illogical. If you've got the whole toolbox, he'll give you a hammer when you're faced with a nail. Equally, if you're faced with a sick person, do you want a prophecy? You know, that's not going to help them. They need a miracle. And I believe that the, the ultimate gift is him in you. And he comes with all the gifts. Now, sure, I also get this, that some people actually flow in one gift more than another. No problem at all. I see some people who operate in the gift of prophecy, and that's actually, they're very apt at that. And it's not even that they're a prophet, they're just actually very apt in that gift. Other people flow in the gifts of healings and miracles, often, and that's no problem. I don't mind people specializing because that's God's doing, no problem. But I do believe all the gifts are available to all people. And notice it says, it's to each one for the common good. That God's power hasn't come into our lives just to make us feel good. But God comes and empowers you because he wants to bring answers through you to other people. You see, the world isn't just impressed with your philosophy about God. The world will be impressed when they see a miracle that your God performed through you, or when you spoke a word that only God could have known. And that's how God wants to do it. That's how God did it through the Son, Jesus Christ, and that's how God wants to do it through us as his people. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So there we see nine gifts recorded in 1 Corinthians 12. Nine gifts. And last time I was with you, we talked about there were three categories. Thinking like Jesus, speaking like Jesus, acting like Jesus. Thinking like Jesus is knowledge, wisdom, discernment. Speaking like Jesus is tongues, interpretation, prophecy. Acting like Jesus is faith, healings, miracles. The goal of God by filling us with the Spirit, is that the impact and the influence of Jesus Christ could spread through us, the church, into cities and nations and territories. The fruits of the Spirit is the character of Jesus, his personality shining through us. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, patience, joy, love, all that we saw in Jesus in his life shining through you. He's looking just like Jesus. But the gifts of the Spirit is the effect of God operating through you just as they did through Jesus. And that's what God wants. He wants both the gifts and the fruit operative in our lives. So we're on today looking at the vocal gift, speaking like Jesus. So first one we're going to look at is the gift of prophecy. Uh, the word prophecy is a Greek word, uh, which is the, the Greek word prophetiria. Uh, which is, it comes from two Greek words, pro, which means before, and feme, which means to make clear. It can literally, it's before, make clear. It literally means to clarify beforehand. Prophecy is two things. 
It is both forth-telling and it is also foretelling. It's forth-telling in that it's saying what God is saying now to you. It's the now word from God into someone's life. But it's also sorry, foretelling in that it also can be predictive. It also can be speaking ahead of, making clear things, something that isn't clear, ahead of time. That's the both the kind of double edge of prophecy. And uh, more often than not, it's, it's just you bringing a word to someone saying, this is what God says to you now. Uh, the gift has, I want to kind of make this as practical as I can. Uh, I want to break it down on how we operate in this gift and how we hear God and what are the boundaries and, and so on and so forth. So I'm just going to go through a list here with you. So how to prophesy. First of all, be close to God. Remember Jesus when he was at the well in Samaria. He, he walked to the well in Samaria and as he was waiting there, a lady came to draw water. Now it was uncommon in those days, first of all, for men to talk to women alone. Secondly, for a Jewish person to speak to a Samaritan person. And he was Jesus, a Jew, speaking to a Samaritan woman. It was a, social, it was a social taboo. And Jesus interacted with this lady, and he started talking to her about the eternal issues and about how she had a hunger for God and, and so on. And she, she made a comment to Jesus, and to which Jesus came back and said, by the way, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now is not your husband's. At this point, her jaw drops. Whoa. He brings this word to her, and it was so absolutely profound and accurate. And she knew, how do you know me? I've never met you. And it completely disarmed her. She realized this was a God moment. I believe God can do that through you. I believe God can give you words to people to freak them out a little bit. But most of all, to get them thinking about God. And how, how did Jesus do that sort of thing? Well, he tells us. He said in John 5, 19, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father doing. Jesus only said the things he heard the Father saying. He only did the things he saw the Father doing. So you've got to be close to God. You've got to be walking with him. You've got to have an ear wide open to God, be incredibly sensitive to God in each moment as you're interacting with different people. And it's, maybe it's not everyone you meet you'll get something for. But sometimes you'll be meeting someone or sometimes you'll be at work or you'll, you'll hear a comment and all of a sudden, as you're listening, God, are you saying anything here? God will say something and you bring it and then see what God does. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Say, <laughs> you're a sheep. He's the shepherd's. Jesus made it clear, my sheep hear my voice. If you don't hear his voice, I don't know if you're a sheep. If you're a sheep, you will hear his voice. And it doesn't mean you hear him audibly, sometimes you do. Who's heard God audibly? Oh, seriously, who's heard God speaking in audible ways? A few hands. Okay, More, okay. who's heard God speak internally? Right, most of us. God speaks typically, it's right in the realm of our spirit. We know things up here, but we also know things down here. We have a knower here as well as a knower here. And God speaks in the realm of our spirit, typically. And as you're spending time with God, you'll hear him speak to you. It can come in different ways. Sometimes it can come as a phrase. Sometimes it can come as an impression. You just know something. That's, that's common like when I have a prophecy for someone, I just I have a sense, I know something about that situation and I'll bring that. Sometimes it can come as a verse, a Bible verse comes to mind just out of the blue and you bring that to them. Other times it can come in a dream or it can come as you're praying for someone. Have you ever had that? When you're praying for someone, I've had that often. When you're praying over someone, then all of a sudden you're praying and you suddenly think, wow, what I'm praying here is actually God's word to them. It, you, you start off praying because you wanted God to do something good for them. But then as you're praying for them, say I'm laying hands on them, praying God's blessing on them, I start feeling stuff about them as I'm praying. Then I actually stop myself praying. Actually, I think this is what God says to you, and I bring the words. But I didn't, I didn't who's had that before? Yeah, so you start off praying, but then all of a sudden it changes into a word from God. It can also be that way when you're speaking. You can just be in a conversation with someone, maybe even talking to them about faith or about Jesus or about their situation in life. And as you're talking to them, all of a sudden, you know something just changed in the conversation. 
And now you're no longer just talking to them. You know that you're speaking the word of the Lord to them. Who said that? Right? It's so powerful. You didn't set out to bring a prophecy. And it's not like you said, Thus, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's just get this right. Thus says the Lord. And then you do it. No, no. Just, you're just continuing your conversation. It's just you know something changed. Uh, God spoke through you. Sometimes you get a, a picture from God. And some of you are worse than Warner Brothers. You get so many pictures, right? But I, th- I, think, I think that's actually how God speaks. Who said pictures from God, right? Now, sometimes that is literally like a trance. You see it in front of you. Other times, it's a mental image that came to you out of the blue. And yet, it is so powerful, and it tra- impacts people in a dramatic way. So I guess if I went around the room, we'd all have in different ways or different shapes or forms, greater or lesser degrees, experiences of God in these ways. God speaks. Um, I remember Dave Carr. Dave Carr has spoken here in Edinburgh and spoken through in Glasgow. Out with a meal. With, he, he leads the Solihull Renewal Centre. Terrific big church down there near Birmingham. And we were out for a meal with him at the Malmaison. And he'd just spoken in Glasgow. And the few of us went out for a meal with him just to spend a bit of time with him. As we were at meal with him, one of the uh, waitresses was just serving us our meals. And, he, and, he, and Dave Carr just, to be friendly, just started chatting to her. And then he said, do you know what? You're going to have four children. And, uh, and he, he started prophesying to her about her life. But it happened ever so, it just happened so naturally. He was just asking about her life and showing a genuine interest in this person. My guess, under the, under the surface, he was praying, God, are you saying anything for this girl? And he just brought this amazing prophecy about her family. And she was utterly shaken. You know, she, this is things she's desired for years. But it just happened in a, a normal conversation. Second thing you need to know is don't use religious jargon. You know, really don't. It, it actually takes away from the impact. Okay, Jesus didn't use religious jargon. He, he didn't suddenly, he didn't go into that sort of thing. When he brought words, he just, he just, he didn't say, that's, that's the Lord. He, he was the Lord, okay? He didn't need to say that. He, he, just, he just said to her, yeah, the guy you're with just now is not your husband. You have five husbands. And, you know, or he said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. What? Boom. He came down. Uh, I just love how Jesus was so naturally supernatural. And some of you think you're more spooky and spiritual than God. Now, God was very normal when he walked in, in the human flesh, in, in Christ. Not very normal. So just be like Jesus. It will be less off-putting to people. I know you'll be really popular with religious people if you make it sound all spooky. I know that. You, probably, you might even get a TV show. It'd be cool. <laughs> but really, God wants us to influence the world. So just be like Jesus. Don't use jargon. But nevertheless, be powerful and bring God glory. Uh, see, know the time and the place. The Apostle Paul goes to great lengths in 1 Corinthians, especially chapter 14, to talk about, okay, when you're prophesying, do it like this, and don't let many of you do it. And, 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 and he put boundaries in place for how you operate in the gifts. And typically the boundaries related to, in case there's someone who doesn't have a scooby of what's going on in the room. If you're all doing your charismatic thing, and there's several people in the room who just think, I just came along with a friend to this meeting today, and they're all speaking in Italian or something, and this is just strange, right? It's a, it'll be an awkward moment and they'll never come back and we'll miss an opportunity to see someone's life touched and changed by God. However, if we operate in the gifts credibly, it will actually result in them coming to God. So Paul is very aware of these things and we should be the same. So I think the principle is restrict the use of your gift, of the gifts of the Spirit, in a way that doesn't dishonor God and enables people to come to him. But at the same time, I think we've been too cautious as a church, to be honest, and we've restricted them too much. So my desire is we start moving these gifts more and more. The ideal forums to move in the gifts of the Spirit are things like that big event, United, where it's actually a believer's forum, or uh, the prayer gatherings we have, intercede or encounter, or at your small groups. These are the ideal forums to operate in these gifts and it's done in an accountable way. Typically, we wouldn't do an open mic session here on a Sunday in one of our gatherings. Um, you know, we don't know everyone here. And some of you are downright dangerous, so we wouldn't let you near a microphone. <laughs> Just kidding, you on. <laughs> but um, 
the truth is we, we, we would want to make sure that people are hearing good things and it's, it's balanced. So typically in a bigger gathering, it'd be maybe more of the senior leadership would bring words or encouragements. But we want, nevertheless, all believers to stir themselves in these gifts. Know the time and the place. Uh, D, speak in line with your faith. Romans 12, 6 says, We have gifts differing according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. What does that mean? Here's what I get take from that. You know, if, if you heard God say something to someone, and you, you think, wow, I think that's what God says to them. And you think, is it what God says? I think it is. I really, I've got this impression. I can't shake it. I think it's what God's saying. And you're kind of, you're kind of mulling it over on the inside. Then if you all of a sudden came out saying, Cain, this is what God says. And you think, man, you made it sound that big on the outside. But on the inside, you're thinking, well, I think it's what God says. I, I hope, I really hope this is right. <laughs> you think, man, you just, you, you made it sound this big, but you felt this big about it on the inside. That's not doing it in proportion to your faith. If on the inside you, thought, you felt it this big, you think, I think God's saying this. I can't shake this. I think. What you then say is you say, Cain, I think I've got this thing, and I really think it's from you, for you. Can you just pray about this? You say it like that. Then that correlates with how you felt about it. Okay. Now, if after a while, and you become more and more familiar with the voice of God, you become more and more accurate in discerning that was God. You know, it might have been a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have got that completely, but I know that I know that I know that was God. Then what you do is you say, do you know what? This is what God says to you. And you say it so directly and clear. And so you pro- prophesy in proportion with your faith and it stops you going places where you're out of your comfort zone and you're in deep water. Here's some guidelines to give you. <clears throat> uh, in, bring encouraging words. It says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, the one who prophesies to people uh, speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Say those three words with me. For their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Typically, prophecy should be strengthening, encouraging, and comforting to people. If you are someone who likes encouraging other people, you'd be someone who would flow very well in the gift of prophecy. Because all you're doing is getting the encouragement rather than from your soul, from God's heart to them. It's just God's desire to encourage Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I would, this is Paul writes, I would that every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. That means strengthened. Why does Paul say speaking in tongues isn't as important as prophecy? Because prophecy will be understood and it will strengthen people. Do you know what this says to me? It tells me that your God, the creator of everything, wants you to be encouraged, strengthened, and comforted. Did you know that? God God doesn't want you to be miserable. The very fact these verses are in the Bible says that the heart of God is that you as his people are encouraged, strengthened, built up, comforted, And God wants that to happen among a people. If you're not prophesying as a people, if we're not stirring ourselves in these gifts, then it might be that someone who could have been encouraged that day, but they went away distraught, could have got their answer. If had one of you stirred yourself, had I stirred myself. So in love for each other, we need to be off the fence when it comes to these things and really looking to God. God, do you have a word for someone today? God knows in this room there are probably 20 or 30 people already who have had a pretty rough week and could do with a word of encouragement. And if those around them in this room are perceptive to what God is saying, you will have the right word just to lift them because I believe it's God's desire to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Now, that's typically what prophecy should be. Also, prophecy can be very directional. So sure, it's there to encourage people, also, prophecy can come in a directional sense. I remember uh, when I was through in Glasgow as a student, my mum used to come to the church with me as well, Destiny Glasgow. Uh, and I remember we, we didn't have a permanent building. We were renting different facilities. We were, we'd just finished renting the, the College of Food Technology. We'd outgrown that. 
and we had to give up the lease. And we didn't, literally it was at the point where we didn't know where we were going to be the next Sunday. So the announcement was made, church, we don't know where we're going to be next Sunday. We'll send you a, we didn't have a text, phones in those days. Uh, we'll send you, oh no, we had phone people, it wasn't even emails. We'll, we'll phone you through the week to let everyone know uh, where the church will be meeting next week. Now, Andrew Owen had tried several times to get into the Allen Glenge College of Commerce. Tried and failed. It was, a, it was the perfect location. It was in Cathedral Street. It worked great. He tried, and they kept saying, no, we would not even consider that. Anyway, that week, my mum had a dream. And in the dream, she saw us worshipping God in the Allen Glenge College of Commerce. So she just took initiative, phoned up Andrew Owen and said, Andrew, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw the church worshipping in Allen Glenge College. I just I felt I had to share that with you. On the back of that dream, Andrew went back to the Allen Glens College and they said, oh yeah, we'd consider that. <laughs> what? I phoned you umpteen times before now. I said, yeah, we consider that. And then that Sunday, we were in the Allen Glens College and we were there uh, all the way up until them buying their first building in Shawlands. It was, it was the Lord bringing a direction at a time when it needed to be heard. So prophecy also comes bringing direction to people. Let me always say this. Every directional prophecy must be weighed, right? So if someone comes to you and says, God says, go to China, right? Don't just say, okay, all right then. <laughs> Can't be disobedient to the Lord. Oh man, you've got to weigh that. Now, I'm not saying that God wouldn't say that. For example, James and Jess, good. <laughs> right, I wouldn't, I'm not saying that God wouldn't say that. I'm just saying that you've got to make sure it was the Lord. You've got to weigh that. And uh, now, let, let me also make a point at this juncture. Just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. I believe God's people can prophesy. But there are some people who are prophets. Now, typically, directional prophecy would come in a, with real strength through a prophet. I'm not saying that other people who aren't prophets cannot bring directional prophecy because it happens, like my mum. But nevertheless, I typically would say it is the role of a prophet to bring directional prophecy. You see in the book of Acts with people like Agabus, who brought a word that had such direction and strategy and weight to it. But it always must be weighed. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. It's not, being, it's not saying being skeptical, kind of sitting on the fence. It's not being that. It's just saying not being naive. How do you weigh the prophecy? Well, that's why I took you through a journey at the beginning. God has general revelation, and God has revealed himself specially, and the key way he's done it is through the Bible and through Jesus Christ. So the question is, when you hear a words, weigh it with the Bible. It's not just, is there a Bible verse about that? It's not because some prophecies have no Bible verses relating to it, like go and meet in the college in Glasgow. You know, it's not in the Bible. That's not going to help you. But what you need to weigh it with is you've become familiar with God and his word. And as you become more and more familiar with God and his word, does that run with the grain of how God would do things? Or is that contrary to the word of God? Become familiar with God. You look at Jesus, does that line up with Jesus or is that contrary to Jesus? In Second Peter, it talks about how when people were wrote, wrote down Scripture, they were moved by the Spirit to write Scripture. So here's the point. If the Spirit inspired the people to write the book, then how could someone standing up under the influence of the Holy Spirit contradict the book? Because God wouldn't contradict himself. God's word, if it is truly a word from the Lord, it will line up with God's ultimate word, Scripture. We believe in what the Reformers called uh, sola scriptura, which means by Scripture alone. It means that our ultimate authority is Scripture. Above our opinions, above our traditions, above any words that anyone brings, it all comes in line with God's word. F, prophecy is typically a confirmation. Remember what I said earlier, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. There's a moment in the book of Acts, Acts 13, where some of the key leaders 
they prayed for Paul and Barnabas and the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart Paul and Barnabas to the work to which I have called them. They already knew that call. All that was happening in that moment was a confirmation of what they already knew. And my experience has been, and I look at the pattern through Scripture, and typically when a prophecy comes, it comes as a confirmation of what God has already said to you. You're a sheep, you do hear his voice. You don't doubt that. Just trust that God is leading you. And when the prophecies come, they will lightly confirm what you're already feeling. I remember me and Angie were down, just before we got married, I was down visiting my sister in London with Ange. We attended an all-night Nigerian uh, prayer meeting. This is the kind of dates we went on. It's just brilliant. It was an all-night Nigerian prayer gathering in some big arena in London. There were about 3,000 folks there. And there was me and Angie. We stood out from the crowd. It was great. It was a brilliant time. Passionate prayer. And uh, I, I remember it was kind of early hours of the morning, at some point in the morning, I remember there was a moment where they got everyone to bow their heads in prayer. That was a fatal moment because <laughs> my head stayed down for the next five minutes and suddenly realized, I'm just, how long did I sleep for there? Uh, but it was great. It was great to pray all night. Brilliant. It kind of about four or five in the morning, they gave an opportunity if people wanted to be prayed for. And all the leaders, the key leaders, had been praying and fasting in the lead up to that big all-night prayer gathering. So I thought I would like to be prayed for. And me and Angie went forward. And this guy came up to Angie and he brought this word. God says he's going to use you to teach kids. He's going to teach you to teach kids. He's given you a heart of a teacher. And he brought this whole word over Angie. Angie, since she's been in primary school, had dreamt of becoming a teacher. That has always been her dream. And she knew it was from God. At the end of that summer, when we were down in Nigeria, that prayer gathering in London. At the end of the summer, Angie was starting Murray House Teacher Training College. She just knew this is the call of God. And this guy comes up, never met her before, and says, God says this. And it wasn't new information for Angie, but boy, was a confirmation that she was pointing in the right direction. I believe God speaks to bring confirmation. I remember Aaron Dowds, who is the son of Jimmy Dowds, who started Divine Church in Dunfermline. I think Aaron's now the lead pastor there now. Um, Aaron's a great guy. I used to pray with him as a student. We used to, uh, students together so in Glasgow, we used to meet up early to pray just for different things that we're, we're looking to God for. And I remember one morning, Aaron brought me a prophecy. And he said, God says, Peter, just as there were seven years constructing the temple and then it was completed and God's glory fell, so too God has done seven years of preparation in your life and now he's bringing into a new season of effectiveness. Now, he didn't know this, but I was, that was me, 22 years old. I had been saved when I was 15. I'd been seven years a Christian. And when I was 22, I moved to Edinburgh to start the church. I didn't share that with Aaron. That was just between me and God. That was the planning that was going on behind the scenes. But I was already about to make that move to Edinburgh when that word came. But how many people realize that was a big confirmation, a very specific, I mean, very accurate with the years and everything, confirmation of the hand of God. You know, how many people would like to get that kind of stuff happening in their lives? Okay, let me flip it. How many would you like to bring a word like that to someone? The same number of hands should go up. Because you are not in control of people bringing it to you, but you are fully in control of you stirring yourself in God and saying, God, would you give me a word for someone? And if we create that culture and we be that people, then God can be doing those great things among us. God wants to speak. Boy, time is gone. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that time seems how someone goes slower when I'm preaching? <laughs> do I go on, on for an hour or do I stop now? <laughs> wow, three of you said an hour. That means all of you feel that. That's great. Let's keep going. Okay, let me just hit a few more things, just, just really quick. Okay. Um, the gift of tongues. There are three similarities between praying in tongues and, and so praying and kissing. Some do it with their eyes open, some with their eyes closed. Some moan and groan in agreement in the middle of it. And some use tongues and others don't. Anyway, uh, so let me, let me share my experience with the gift of tongues. It first happened for me, I was 15, I was just a Christian. And some of you are thinking, he just said that in church. Some of you are just thinking, I know, I know that. Let's get over it and let's get back to it. I was 15, I was just saved. And I, I wasn't in the church that believed in this stuff I'm talking to you about. But I read it in the Bible. 
And I figured my ultimate allegiance wasn't to my tradition, but rather to God who gave me the book, the Bible. So I remember one evening, having read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, I went across to my friend's house and I asked him to pray for me. I said, I would like to see what happened in my life, what happened in their lives. And he laid hands on me. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I started speaking a language I'd never learned. That's how it happened for me. It was just ever so simple. Since then, I've prayed for people and they've had the same experience. Many of you in this church have had the same experience. Last week, Alan Gardner was speaking. He was saying, in the Leith service, he, he had to rush off from here, obviously, but in the Leith service, and incidentally, I'm looking forward to the new season when the service times are the same, and whoever's speaking doesn't need to rush off, because I don't know half of you, because I always have to rush off after the service. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know you guys, and whoever's preaching, get a chance to stay around and pray for people at the end. That's going to be good. Alan got a chance to pray for people in Leith last week, and two people, just for the very first time, filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. Powerful, powerful moment. Uh, I'm going to share just quickly. I was chatting to a lady in, in our church who uh, just this week, and she was saying that when she was an eight-year-old and she was going through a real hard time in life, she 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 was praying this language she'd never learned. And she she years later, a friend said to her, "Have you ever spoken tongues?" And she said, "I think I do." And she was a believer at that age, totally believed in God, and God had given her this language before she even read the Bible. She wasn't even even a Christian home, but she had an authentic faith in God, and she spoke in tongues. And she, all she remembers is she felt incredibly comforted through those hard times in those moments. I believe in this gift. Okay, so do all people speak in tongues? Well, it says in Mark 16, 17, these signs will accompany those who have believed. They will speak in new tongues. But then we see Paul in Corinthians 12, and he says, he asked the question, do all speak in tongues? In fact, in the New American Standard translation, he says, all do not speak in tongues, do they? The inference is that not everyone does speak in tongues. But let me just make the, the clear distinction. There are two operations of the gift. There is a private operation of the gift that you use in your own private devotion times between you and God. And there is a public use of the gift which is used in a bigger setting, like, for example, in a prayer gathering, where you speak out loud in tongues, and then it's interpreted, and it's a message from God to the people. So in that context, not everyone can speak in tongues. Not everyone should. Equally, not everyone should prophesy, or not everyone should operate in a teaching gift. But we should operate in certain gifts. But I do believe in a private context, I believe, as believers, this can be part of your life. I'm not saying that to condemn any of you who hasn't, haven't had this experience, but rather to raise your expectation that you can have this experience. I believe it is available to you. It's interesting that uh, prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known language, whereas tongues is a supernatural utterance in an unknown language. Therefore, tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Do you get that? So somebody prophesies, the only difference between somebody who prophesies and somebody who speaks in tongues is both people speaking utterances from God. It's just that one of them you understand, one of them you don't. But when tongues is interpreted, it's the same as prophecy. It, and, and, and that's how these things operate. It's interesting when Joel prophesied in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and they shall prophesy. And yet when you look in the book of Acts and people experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it only mentions once they prophesied, mostly it says they spoke in tongues. But what you understand is that the umbrella gift is the gift of prophecy. It's utterances of God, whether they be in the language you understand or an unknown language. And then finally, there's the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now notice the gift is interpretation rather than translation. It's not necessarily a word for word. When someone's interpreting, it's not necessarily uh, they say a line and you say a line and they say a line and you say a line. That can happen. But the gift, it says, is the gift of interpretation, which is rather a description of the meaning of what's being said rather than the literal words of what's being said. That's why sometimes an interpretation can be this long, whereas the tongue itself could have been much longer. Does that make sense? Uh, last week at Clan, I was praying over a lady, and as I was praying in tongues over this lady, I got a clear understanding of what I was praying. And it was a prophecy about this lady and how the father saw her as a daughter, and, he, and I described this to her. As I was speaking, the, the words were coming in my head clear as anything, and I just said the words in English afterwards, and then I said a number of other things in tongues, 
And then the words came to me and I said it in English to her. And she was well blessed. It was just the word of God to her. And I didn't intend to bring a prophecy. I was just praying over her like I would pray over any other person. But in that moment, I suddenly gained an understanding of what I was saying. One of the most dramatic times I've seen this gift in operation was uh, through in Glasgow. Uh, Nelson Mandela has a relative called, a young man called Neba. And Neba was studying at Strathclyde University and he attended our church. He comes from the trans guy and he, he spoke quasi. Is that the right way of saying it? Quasi. And there's lots of clicks and stuff in the language. Is that right? So his actual name was Neba. He had a little click in there. Anyway, in, he was sitting in a, in a home group gathering in Destiny Church in Glasgow. And in that home group gathering, someone spoke out loud in tongues. Now, he was sitting there, and, and it was cozy. Is that right? Yeah. He wouldn't even say if it wasn't. So, uh, he, he, he understood everything that was being said word for word in his own language. And it was Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want it. And before he got a chance to say anything... Someone else on the other side of the room, who wasn't from South Africa, he was a Ouija, said, uh, God's given me the interpretation. I said, it's Psalm 23. And he, and he said, God says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. And neighbor's sitting there. He's heard it in his language. He's heard the interpretation. And he says, I have to tell you, that's amazing because that is my language. In fact, it's the very dialect where I live. And that was indeed Psalm 23. So I believe in this stuff. I believe tongues can be an earthly language. It can also be an angelic language. But either way, through the gift of interpretation, it can be a known, something that's known. Uh, I, th- I think these are all awesome, exciting things. But let me end with an application. I want to stir you to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It says in 1 Corinthians 14:1, pursue love, yet earnestly, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So this week, I want to encourage you to stir yourselves in these things. Church, I want to encourage you. I don't want us just to be a a crowd who gathers on a Sunday. I want you to be mobilized in Christ-likeness. I want you to be mobilized in these things that you are interacting, not just among believers, but in your workplace. So this week, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. God, what are you saying for those people? I want you to do it in two ways. This morning and through this week, I want you to do it for the church. So in a minute, we're going to pray. And I want you to ask God, God, is there a word for someone in this church you want me to bring to them? Because God knows there are many people in this room who need something this morning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be the one through whom that word comes? So in a moment, we'll pray and just take time before God. And if God gives you something at the end of the service, just go up and say, do you know what? God gave me this verse for you. Or God gave me this picture for you. Or God says, go to China or something. You know, just... (laughs) But bring a word. But this week also, the challenge is this. I challenge you, and I challenge myself as well. This week, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, at the petrol station, on the street... I challenge you to bring a word from the Lord to someone. Now, you don't need to be freaky and say, thus says the Lord before it. But as you're in a conversation, be asking God, God, what are you saying for this person? And it might just be simply that your conversation changes and says, you know, can I just take a moment just to encourage you with something? I think you're fearful about a lot of things, but God says it's going to be fine. Or, but if you put your trust in God, it will turn out. So just be ever so natural, be like Jesus. But the challenge this week, this week in your workplace, in your interactions with other people, let them have an experience of God through you. Stir yourself in this church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you're a speaking God. Thank you your desire is to say things to us that transform us, that impact us deeply. 
God, I pray that as a people, that we would be a people who hear you so accurately and bring your words to other people. Okay, just stand in God's presence. The Bible says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. So right now in his presence, stir yourself in this. It says, desire earnestly. If it was just about, oh well, if God wants to give me this, he can give me it. If that was what it was about, that verse wouldn't be in the Bible. But because that verse is in the Bible, that's God putting the ball in your core. Stir yourself right now. Ask God for it. Ask God for words. Ask him for a word for people around you in this auditorium. Speak, God, I pray. God, we don't want to be a powerless people. We want to be hearing you for other people. Father, would you use us in each other's lives? God, would you use us in this city this week? God, we want to be credible believers. God, we want to give you a great name in this city. That we're not freaky or strange, but Lord God, we are sincere in our faith. And when we're engaging with unchurched people, we're sharing our faith in a way that's so credible. God, would you give us words that will bring impact and transformation in those in our family, in those in our city, in those in our community. Stir yourself, Josh. Go for it. Pray. Ask him. Ask him. Do it through us, God, we pray. while people are praying if you're here today and you don't know God I believe with all my heart he loves you he really does and he has a plan for you and he's waiting for you to come to him if you're here today and you haven't yet come to Jesus I believe that Jesus Christ came into this world he died on the cross just for you he paid the price for your sin and if you'll put your faith in him and give your life to follow him you will be a changed person from this day forward. You will know him. You will have eternal life. So that's you today. I want to help you connect with him just now. So just while everyone else is praying their prayers and stirring themselves, just for you, if you don't know God yet, you pray this prayer with me and let this be your prayer of commitment to him. Pray, dear Lord God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your death on the cross thank you for coming alive again I believe you're alive today and today I commit my life to you I commit myself to being a follower of yours I put my faith in you thank you for hearing my prayer Amen Okay, if you prayed that prayer just quickly Raise your hand to let me know you did that, wherever you are in the room. Thank you. Anyone else? Nice and clear so I can see your hands. Anyone else here? You prayed that prayer. Wow, that's cool. Lord, thank you for this dear lady. I pray that she would know your acceptance today. I pray she would know your love I pray she would know a new beginning in her life. God, as she has put her faith in you, I pray this would be the beginning of a new adventure in you, Lord God. Let her really know you, God. Change her life beyond recognition. Come, Holy Spirit, embrace her with your love and change her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you guys pray together at the end? Is that okay? You guys pray for each other. We've got a booklet down here we want to give you, so don't rush off, all right? You guys pray. This is a great step you've taken. God is with you. Let's celebrate this decision. Thank you, God.
So in a minute or two, we'll finish singing. You'll, you'll hear the, op- the opportunity to go and have a coffee and all that stuff. But as you're going from your seats, stir yourself for each other. Is God saying something for someone in this room that you need to bring a word to them? Stir yourself. And this week, do the same. Yeah? Wow. Yeah? Amen. Bless you guys. Hi, I hope that today's message has helped you. If you want to find out more about us as a church, download more audio teaching, give us feedback, or make a contribution to our ongoing work and mission here in Edinburgh, please visit our website at destinyedinburgh.com. May God continue the great work that he is doing in your life.